Welcome to the One Thing Global Leadership Summit podcast. Hi, I'm Daniel Lim, your host. Today we're going to be discussing how prayer and disaster relief is one inseparable reality. It's good to have you back again at the One Thing Global Leadership Summit podcast. I am privileged to have the founder and the director of Austin Disaster Relief Network based in Austin, Texas, started 10 years ago. And right in the middle and the center of the network is a vibrant prayer room. Not only a command center for disaster relief, a training center, but a prayer room. Because Daniel Jurassi is committed that everything must flow out from prayer. So, Daniel, thank you for joining us this afternoon. Once again, 10 years now, you have been on this journey of Austin Disaster Relief Network. Share with us two or three highlights of breakthroughs that you have observed that God has done exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think. Yeah, I, I you know, number one, thanks for having me on. First and foremost, uh, I would say number one is just seeing the body of Christ get prepared and trained in advance uh, and, and then actually see it in action in large numbers and knowing how the Lord orchestrated all of that in advance, knowing the disaster was coming and seeing the impact that those trained volunteers, I love spontaneous volunteers, but I love the Holy Spirit-led trained volunteers that know what to say, what not to say, and see the absolute impact on people's lives is just been nothing short of amazing. Uh, and knowing that it's the unified body of, the Christ, body of Christ working together. I'd say the second thing is going uh, and seeing a city that's just absolutely devastated, like Denham Springs, where you have 90% of the community underwater, only five businesses standing, 2,400 homes impacted, and seeing the church mobilized together, taking charge uh you know being humble enough to say teach us show us what you're doing and then doing it and seeing absolute god stories and results uh right from the beginning humble men and women praying together and then seeing at the end of the day revival breaking out where where the uh impact on those churches that said yes and got involved ended up seeing two to three times increase in their membership uh, in souls coming into the kingdom and an advancement of the kingdom of God in a community. Well, so when I hear you talk, I hear a few timeless biblical principle that is at work. Number one is the, um, you know, God, the Lord who loves us can turn, can make all things good for those who love Him and call according His purpose, even in the worst time when natural disasters struck and we are helpless and we do not know what to do. Our most vulnerable moment can be our most glorious moment. And you have stepped into many of these uh, situations where people have great loss, but out of great loss come great harvest, great glory and great unity. That's quite remarkable, right? Yes. And, and, and the other one that I really hear so clearly from you is that the, the sowing and the preparation uh, during peacetime, allow you to rapidly deploy the volunteer during the time of great pressure 
where where you mentioned in another podcast where from since 2009 the the number of natural disaster that that Texas face has increased so rapidly that because of this adequate preparation and the trust that has been built among the churches you the churches are able to make a difference during the time of great pressure yeah that's correct in in the favor that the lord has given us with the city uh, of Austin uh, in Greater Austin, I should say, with those those uh, five counties that we're part of, uh, is nothing short of amazing. In fact, it's to a point now very similar to Daniel and, and Nebuchadnezzar in that relationship, uh, where you know there was just no better choice for Nebuchadnezzar than Daniel, right? And and essentially that's what the church has now in the Greater Austin area, where you know we're in the second most liberal city in the nation according to stats. But yet there is great favor because what they will tell those folks that are not happy sometimes with a Christian organization leading the charge is that until there's something better, these are the people we're using. And and that time and time again, we'll hear that from leaders in the uh, government. Well, uh, Daniel, you you really touch on something that I was stirred quite significantly in your last point there about Christian volunteer involvement in uh, disaster relief. You know, there are many, many great uh, charitable uh, disaster relief uh, first responder uh, group on the earth and in America. Why are you so insistent that prayer must be joined together in disaster relief? Why, why, are you, why are you making that a non-negotiable point? You know, I, I see it. Uh, when disaster strikes, it's, it's like a, a normity and invasion of the body of Christ into those communities. Because what we see is that we're gonna, our goal is to go in there, pull the churches together, train the Christians to know what to do, what not to do, how to do it right, to have the point of position of leading and the position of, of walking with these families until they're back on their feet and the opportunity to share the gospel in that is huge. So if I was the enemy, uh, I would not want that to come into a city that I might have a lot of control in. And in most of these disasters, we're seeing 50 to 68% unchurched numbers in these communities that have been impacted. So so there's a, the opportunity for a complete transformation of a community is right there before us if the church will humble themselves and work together mobilize together it's a strategy it really is it's the heart of the lord and uh, so so to think that we can do that without prayer without the humility and told dependence of god and god leading us uh to me would be absolutely insane and i tell you this hey we have seen uh, just out of ignorance, uh, there was the case of Moore, Oklahoma, where we went into this great community that had over a thousand homes impacted by the Oklahoma tornado in 2013. And uh, the pastors united together. It was a huge meeting. I think around 70 churches on our first meeting gathered together saying, we're going to do this. We had over a thousand families saying, we want the church of Moore, Oklahoma to walk with us until we're back on our feet, which if you think about it, these are people that have may not know Jesus, right? And they're asking the church, we want you to walk with us. And I saw what happened to that beautiful meeting. Everyone was involved. Everyone wanted to be part of it. 
And little by little, because of our lack of prayer knowledge at that time to pray for a city that maybe didn't have the prayer structure in place like a Kansas City, like an Austin, it began to fall apart real quickly. The enemy started taking people out one by one. Next thing you know, we only had 30 churches in that city uh, mobilized together and sponsor families. We ended up only sponsoring 300 families out of 1,000 that asked to be helped. And I'm telling you, talking about break your heart. It's not every day that you get 1,000 families. We're talking about thousands of people, right, when you talk about families. that We had 700 that were not sponsored that wanted the Church of Jesus Christ to walk with them. And well, uh, that the breaks your heart. The Scripture clearly said, Harvest is plentiful, but laborers are so few. Oftentimes, as the body of Christ, we are behind the curve in terms of what the people are ready for. And I hear your heartbeat in saying that we need to pray to the Lord of the harvest constantly yes. for the Lord to re release laborers, willing laborers that are ready, equipped, prepared for the harvest field. But even with that, you know, um, many would say that disaster relief is such a demanding and laborious uh, task how can we find time to pray in the midst of doing disaster relief? For many people, that seems like an, uh, uh, two very opposing demands. You either uh, do disaster relief without sleep and just attend to the urgent need before you, or you just do the prayer part. You can't really do both. How did you find in your expression and the journey the Lord has with you that these two are actually one inseparable reality. Yeah, we, 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 it's hard, you know, right? You've got, it's like Jesus at the point of, of Lazarus dying and yet the people pulling on his robe is kind of what I imagine, come now, come now, we need you, you know, but yet he stayed in this place of connection with the Father. And we, we know when a disaster strikes as his staff, how important it is to maintain our prayer uh, lifestyle with the Lord at the same time rolling up the sleeves. And so you have to learn how to just, you're walking with the Lord in the spirit day and night. I mean, really, that's that's really where we're all going with this is learning how to walk in the spirit in that place of prayer uh, all the time. And yes, do we get out of into the flesh? And yes, do we, we mess up? Uh, but we know how to get back. And so we challenge each other here uh, we keep the, the community prayer going, uh, and then we have a prayer room. Now, that's helped out quite a bit to have a place of a prayer to seek the Lord's face, and you've got worship teams going. In fact, when the prayer, when the disaster strikes, that will amplify up. And uh, right now, we're at around 56 hours of day and night worship and prayer. Uh, so there's gaps still, and we, we, we have the prayer room going in those gaps. Uh, but, um, you know, there is a ramp up in times of disaster. Well, we'll bring in the extra troops to pray behind us is one way. And then also all volunteers, we make sure that they're praying for each other, that they're assigned a prayer buddy, because we have found out, too, that the enemy is, again, not just sitting around. Uh, we want the protection of God around our staff and all these thousands of volunteers that we're mobilizing. And so if we can have them pray for each other, because uh, in the past we've seen it where we begin to lose volunteers because of what we would call warfare. And, uh, and sometimes not every uh, volunteer out there knows what to do in those circumstances or even have a realization that they're experiencing 
warfare and end up just kind of raising up the, the white flag and giving up. So there's a lot of prayer behind what we do in many different levels. So hearing you, uh, let me reiterate, you're saying that prayer is a must because prayer release resource. It keep our heart alive and then reduce the casualty in the front line who are trying to serve. And uh, yes, so, perfectly said. Wow. And yeah, Daniel, I, go ahead. You, you mentioned one thing on the resource side. <laughs> you know, disaster strikes, talking about the need for resources. But the good news is Jehovah Jireh, the Lord that provides. Oh, my gosh. I mean, we found ourselves in times where we're down to, you know, $30,000, $20,000 left of gift cards. We seek his face saying, you know what? We refuse to believe our father is anything less than what the scriptures say. And we lift him up and, and literally we have so many of these stories. 30 minutes, 40 minutes later, uh, uh, an organization comes up and says, hey, we, we hear what you're doing. Do you need any gift cards? And in and, and this one store in Moore, Oklahoma, they had $145,000 of gift cards. And just within 45 minutes, that prayer is answered because of our dependency and leaning on trusting God. It just excites the Lord, right? You just have to imagine he's in heaven going, well done, faithful servant. So we, we think about that. How do we live for him to bring him joy? Amen. You live in the cutting age where not only there are great needs, uh, but the great needs are urgently needed and, and always happening when disaster happens. The, the demand is acute. So uh, I'm going to get a little bit more personal with you right now, Daniel, uh, that you, you believe in this. You're not just thinking prayer in a strategy. So do you personally go to the prayer room and spend time there? Yes. Yes, I do. Uh, you, know, you know, everywhere is a prayer. I, I'm, I'm, for me now, I'm at a place where, you know, uh, I have prayer room. I have my time in the morning, all of that, but it's not enough. I, I, I have to carry the Lord every day, every moment, every hour, as much as I'm learning how to do it. Of course, I haven't conquered a, a hundred percent and, uh, but it, it, you know, and who knows what that measurement is, but I can't see myself doing what I do without, uh, walking with God, um, because you just, I've learned enough where you just don't want to do anything without his guidance. And so, so yes, we have a prayer room. Uh, and it's amazing to have a prayer room to work in a prayer room environment. Uh, but also, do I have my prayer time in the morning? And uh, yes, do I have more prayer time at night? I actually end the night by debriefing with the, the Holy Spirit saying, how did I do? Uh, and, and how can I improve? And so it's the same thing that we do with our volunteers before we close out on a response. So, Daniel, since we are friends, I'm going to take the liberty to prop you even deeper, if you don't mind. Oh, yeah, go ahead. For the benefit of our audience, uh, I really need to juice as much out of you. You know, many people would say the same rhetoric as a Christian leader because it's the right thing to say. Yes. But why do you actually find that if you don't do this out of prayer, that you actually have a very different experience altogether not just rhetoric tell us like what what is pushing you that you must live this way yeah no it's that's a great question it's it's experienced it's the times that you didn't do it that uh you know you you're you're walking in a in a carnal or you know flesh 
mindset. And, and yes, have we had experiences in times of disaster where you get caught up in, in the swirl of things, you're working 100 hours a week. And by the way, that's another reason why to stay in prayer, that just the Lord will sustain you in these supernatural ways. Uh, but on the times when you said, you know what, I've got to do this, this physical thing rather than prayer, and you choose that, the the outcome is usually you know uh, for me uh, problems with staff or shortness or you know you know you're in the flesh right um, and and then you have a mess to clean up and ouch that hurts um, you know fortunately I've had some amazing teachers uh, like my overseer and Mike Bickle learning to how to say you know what thank you Holy Spirit for peace. And just stepping right back into a place of peace when you need it, even though you should be walking in it, but you you have to step back into it. And uh, so there's been a lot of learning how to use grace uh, as a tool. As we know, it's it's available. It's not automatic. And I, I have to, it's my choice to step into it. So I think about that all the time. Of course, I teach it. And so I don't want to teach anything that I'm not, not walking in. And so that's also another driver for me is that, man, I don't want to go teach it tonight when I'm, 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 I don't want to be a hypocrite, right? And so I place myself in a position that has to hold me accountable. I'm a big fat liar before the Lord and to people. So um, along the same vein, sometimes leaders who's, who uh, are quite successful in, and consistent in living the life that that, that, that uh, embody the core value that they believe in, they are not as successful to encourage their team to do the same. And they're not as successful to pass down the value. Uh, what do you do to encourage your team to see what you see and to value what you value in prayer and disaster relief? Because I can imagine that you're attracting people that really want to do first responder, disaster relief, and sometimes they don't come in getting why you're doing both, prayer and disaster relief. So how do you actually encourage these people? Yeah, you know, no, that's great. Um, it's a great question. So I think number one is first and foremost is walking it out. And again, uh, could I spend more time in areas? Could I get better? Yes, I want the listeners to know that, that you know, we're, we're all growing, right? We're learning. There's more that we want. Uh, but I think just the power that they're seeing the demonstration of the miracles the signs and wonders are are nothing short of miraculous we 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 always uh like for instance in in denim springs you know we had some bad storms around that whole deployment and yet we kept saying you know and, and it's so natural of ourselves to say let's run let's go let's go hide let's get into shelter these are, you know, dangerous threats on our lives and storms. Instead, we said, let's pray. And, and we'd saw time after time again, the Lord would remove those storms or go around us. And talking about the impact of that, that that has on a believer that hasn't learned how to depend on God and really see him as the Christ, the son of the living God, really we're helping them to begin stepping into that realm where Jesus is really testing our faith. Are we really, do we really see him as the Christ, the son of the living God, right? And it comes out at those moments. So that's, the Lord gave us a word several years ago that part of our strategy was to put 
the, the stronger, mature Christians with the younger Christians, the, he, he said in my words, the bigger brother with the smaller brother, that, that the bigger brother would cause the smaller brother to je jealousy or the younger brother to jealousy, to want the things of God. So that's why in our staff, it's so important. We're constantly training them spiritually, saying them to IOP, you know, doing things that, you know, how do we grow them? Because the more that we can burn and, and show and demonstrate we also at the same time raising up the Christian body of Christ around us to a whole nother level. Yes, Daniel, I appreciate that. Uh, Daniel, your time with us and sharing this vital principle. We're going to wrap up this podcast, but I would like the, our audience to have an opportunity to jump into the great work that God has started in and through you. How do they find you and what is exciting in front of you that our audience should pay attention to? Well, uh, the way to get a hold of us is www.adrn.org. That's our website, and there's many ways to get a hold of us on the website. Uh, we, we have, um, we, this year we had a very, very substantial donation come in to launch our national program, and uh, we are preparing it. Uh, now and we hope to be ready by the end of the year although we're still helping cities right now as we speak so we're if you're listening to this podcast and the lord has been stirring in your heart uh the desire to see a disaster uh, relief network of churches in your community and area uh or to be part of what adrn is doing uh in the texas area then uh, feel free to reach out to us we'd still love to talk to you begin the process of building that relationship with you and walk with you through this and help you uh, in the process of, of establishing that network in your city. Thank you for joining us at this One Thing Global Leadership Podcast with our special guest, Daniel Jurassi, the founder and director of ADRN based in Austin, Texas. I am sure we will hear from Daniel again. He has so much to impart to us. Thank you, Daniel, for your precious time and what you have shared with our audience. Thank you for having me on. God bless you all.